All right, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be starting with verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So, I've been taking some pictures lately, and um, a, a while back, maybe about, you know, eight or nine years ago, my wife and I really got into photography. We had some more free time back then, and um, we were really interested in learning how to use, use the camera and um, really do a, a good job and take beautiful pictures, right? And so we, we learned a lot along the way about how to operate the camera and how to manipulate the light and how to use flash and how to look for shadows and which way the sun was, uh, uh, was shining and all these types of things the things that you have to learn to, to be good at photography. I don't know that we ever got good at photography, but we were trying to get there at least, right? And one of the, the cool things that you can do uh, when you take pictures is you can um, make the camera focus on a particular point within the field of view, right? So, you know, most pictures that we see are, you know, rectangular or square or something like that. And very often when you're looking around on the internet or the way that movies are shot or things like that, like there is a focal point in the frame, right? And so you'll see something that's in very sharp detail, but the rest of the area, the rest of the frame is blurry. You guys are familiar with, with seeing this all the time, right? And there's like this, this ability to, to focus and zero in on a, on a particular point, and the rest just kind of fades into the background, right? And so last week, we kind of talked about this idea of where our focus is supposed to be, and this is what we're kind of spending the month of January doing is kind of like, what are the things that are most important? What are the things that, that we're going to focus in on? Because that's what you do when you take a picture of something, you, you put the focus on what's most important. And so we're asking ourselves, like, how is it that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, to focus in on Him, and live life before Him? But as I started out this service with, not only as an individual, how do I, how do I live life before Him, but how do we, as a community, of believers live life before God together. And so we want to make sure that we're doing the right things and that our focus and that our energy and that our time and that our efforts are put into the right place. And so the scripture that I'm going to share with you today, the scripture that we're looking at, is, is a, a touchstone scripture for me. You maybe have heard that phrase before. I've used that before. I don't think it was about this particular verse, but I don't quite remember. You know, that was a while, that was a while back, you know. Um, but the, the idea of, of, of something that, that is a touchstone is like, like a guide. Like maybe, do you have things in your, in your house where like you can walk in the dark and you kind of know where, where things are? And you know, if I reach right here, like that's that doorknob, right? And so maybe as you're walking down the hallway in, in the darkness and you're like, okay, there's that doorknob and then there's that doorknob and this one's the bathroom, right? You kind of like feel your way through, right? And they're kind of like, places and anchor points and guides to, to, to get you where you want to go, right? Now, that's the idea for, of this scripture for me. As, as we think about our life together as a church, these are the things that I'm using as a guide to make sure we're doing what it is that God calls us to do, what it is that God wants us to do. And so I come back to this personally as I pray through what we do as a community. I come back to this scripture over and over and over again 
And I don't get tired of it because it, it helps me to go, no, don't get distracted. Keep the focus on the main thing. Let the other stuff just kind of fade into the background. Focus on what it is that you're supposed to be doing, right? And so that's the way we want to think about this, this scripture. Is like, what is it that we are supposed to be doing as a family of God, as a body of believers? What is our life together supposed to look like? All right, so let's read together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right? So the context here is, is the beginning of the chapter of Acts, and Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he's told his disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and that they're going to have power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? So, so kind of like the beginning of the church is what we're looking at here. And so on the day of Pentecost, all the believers are gathered together. This is the beginning of Acts 2. They're all gathered together. And they're seeking the Lord, and the Spirit comes upon them, and they begin praising God in, in many different languages, languages that they don't know. They're, they're speaking in tongues, we would um, maybe use that phrase, right? And they're speaking in, in human languages, and people from all around the world are gathered in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, the, the, the Feast of Pentecost. And so they're hearing this group of believers praise God in their own languages, the languages of all the nations that they're from, Right? And so they're confused about what's happening. And, and Peter, he stands up and he, and he preaches to them and he shares the good news of Jesus. And he talks about how, how Jesus has come to save, that he was crucified for the forgiveness of sins, and that God is pouring out his spirit on people, right? And so a lot of people, they come to know Jesus. They, come to, uh, they put their faith in Jesus that day, right? And so then what we're reading here at the very end of chapter 2, is a summary statement of what life was like for them as they all came to know Jesus, right? What did this community look like? And as we look at this community, we see that it was a, a devoted community. There were some things that they were focused in on, that they were paying attention to, the things that they built their lives around, and this is the, the question for us, how are we to live together as a community? And so let's look here at the things that they were devoted to. It says in verse 42, they, were de they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. All right, so, so these four things are like essential they're, they're what we're su supposed to be doing. This, this word devoted, what, is it, what does it mean to be devoted? Well, this idea in the original language, it carries the idea of how you spend your time. Like what do you occupy yourself with? What do you, what do you busy yourself with? It means to be busily engaged in some activity, right? It can also carry the idea of um, perseverance, not only are you 
occupying yourself with this activity, but you're sticking to it. You're not letting it uh, fade into the background. You're not letting it getting, getting blurred out, but rather you're, you're, you're persevering or you're continuing in or you're sticking to an activity, right? So the church was spending its time doing these things and they were sticking to it. Well, what were those things? Well, the first was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. When we think about like what this is, this is, remember we talked about uh, Scripture's authority and, and how it's the Word of God and it was uh, passed along, right? And so we have the, the teaching of Jesus. We have stories about the life of Jesus, His life and His message, what, what it was that He was uh, conveying to His disciples. Well, when Jesus ascends into to heaven, the, the witnesses who were there, who heard Jesus, who saw Jesus, who walked with Jesus, those were the apostles. And they were continuing to teach what Jesus taught. So we have the community of believers being devoted to the apostles' teaching. But it's not really about the apostles. It's about what they were teaching, and that is the truths that Jesus taught, right? They were teaching the life and the instruction of Jesus, the, the Jesus way of doing things. And it's important for us as a body of believers to be seeking after the Jesus way of doing things, right? Because we all come into this place from different backgrounds. Our, our origins are, are varied and many. Anybody ever, you know, like, when you had a roommate or, or lived with someone, or you notice this, especially when you get married, but it's true in lots of different circumstances, right? Whether it's a like maybe a roommate that you had in college or something like that. Like you, you get together and um, you just think there's a certain way of life that's normal and then that person moves in and they have a certain way of life that's normal and those things don't line up, right? Like you always thought it was normal for, you know, the other person to take out the trash, but they expected you to take out the trash, right? Like there are just certain things that you get used to wherever you come from, certain ways of doing things, certain ways of dealing with problems, certain ways of fighting and dealing with arguments, right, that you get used to. And then when that other person is brought into the picture, it's like, wait a minute, you don't do it that way? You know, we yell and scream at our house. Well, we went and hid whenever there was a problem at our house. You know, like all these different things happen, right? We, we carry all that background stuff into different contexts. And, and the, the picture here is God is building his people into a unified family, a unified community. And it's not about the way I used to do things or the way you used to do things, but it's about the way Jesus says to do things. And so that is our focus as we wrestle with how to live life well. What is it that Jesus calls us to? How do we participate in the abundant life that he offers? Learning that maybe there are some patterns, maybe there's some behaviors, maybe there are some things that we were used to that aren't healthy, and learning to live the new way in Jesus together as community. And so we devote ourselves to learning the Jesus way of life. All right? Next, it says that they were devoted to fellowship. This is one of my favorite words in, in all of the New Testament. I, I love the picture of this word. And we have to make sure that we understand it. It goes more than just like a casual, like, hi, how are you, acquaintance kind of fellowship. Like, we could have a, 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 a church fellowship 
where we all sit down and eat together and never connect with one another. In fact, you've probably been in scenarios like that. Like, you know, you've been to some family gatherings where it's like everybody's there, but nobody's really connected. Like nobody's really having a deep, in-depth conversation. It's all surface stuff. Like, you know, you're all there and it looks pretty on the outside, but there's some real brokenness that's happening there. And it's like, we're not really connecting. You've been in, in situations like that where it's just kind of like, we don't talk about the under-the-surface stuff, right? Um, but that's not the picture of fellowship here. It's not just a happy, hi, how are you, like we all get along, surfacey kind of thing. But rather, it is close relationship. It is intimacy. It is, it is a place where you have mutual interest. And, and in this case, we're all pursuing God, right? We might um, have different passions in life. We might have different hobbies. Some people like, might like sports. Other people might like photography. Other people like, might like doing Rubik's Cubes or whatever. That's a thing now. We're learning. I'm learning, you know. Um, but we have, we have these varied interests, but when we come together, our, our, our core interest and our primary interest is life with Jesus, right? And that's what we share together. And it's, this word fellowship is sharing of life, where I'm bringing something to the table and you are bringing something to the table, and we are partaking of the gifts that each person brings. The idea of a, of a potluck dinner is the perfect picture of this, right? Because it's like everybody's bringing something and we're all sharing the same food, what other people have brought. And that's, that's the picture of how we're supposed to be doing life, living life in a, in, in a close relationship where we're together and connected in a deep and real way, not in a surface way, right? So naturally that leads to the breaking of bread, right? Because if we're, if we're um, hanging out together and living life together, we're going to find times to eat together, right? So breaking of bread. And in the early church, very often uh, the meal was accompanied with uh, the Lord's Supper, right? The uh, partaking of, of the cup and of the bread. Very, we do this once a month at the end of a service, right? But in the early church, it was like they got together and ate, and as part of their meal, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper. They would celebrate what we call communion, right? And it's just this picture of daily physical and spiritual needs, right? They're sharing daily physical and daily spiritual needs, and they're praying. They're devoted to prayer. They're persisting in. They're busy with prayer. And this is all about the pursuit of God together, right? It, prayer is, is a recognition of our dependence upon Him. We talk about, you know, 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, right? And the, the idea of, of, of fasting, missing a meal or uh, setting aside uh, something so that you can pursue God, it's just a recognition that I'm dependent upon Him, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father, right? So they're devoted to these four things. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. They're pursuing God together. Now, as we look at this, then, these next verses kind of describe in a little more detail what that looked like. What were the things that characterized this community? What was the quality of this, right? So the first thing we see is that their community was marked by God's power. It says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, right? So there are things that God is doing in their midst that demonstrate his grace and his goodness. I'm reminded of the scripture that 
uh, as Paul writes to a church, and he says, um, remember that when we came to you, we did not come to you in word only, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Like, God is about changing lives. God is about restoring hearts, strengthening His people, building them up. He, he wants you to participate in His power. In our weakness, His power is made perfect because that's when we realize what He's doing. And God throughout history has, has um, done miracles and put His power on display as His Word is preached. He has used miracles and signs and wonders to confirm the message. And so we don't pursue miracles, we don't pursue signs and wonders for their own sake, but rather we pursue the power of God working in our lives to bring about transformation, and God confirms His Word through these signs and wonders and miracles. So we want to see God's power at work. Another thing that characterize their community. We've already talked about a little bit is this connection, but it's so important that it gets repeated over and over again. It says all the believers were together and had everything in common. And then if you look at verse 46, it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So again, this focus on close relationship and unity. The, the message in, in the devotional this morning was was all about unity, right? It was Psalm 133. What did it say? It said, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, for there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore, right? So this picture of unity, and this is the... the that all the believers were together, and it's a really weird Greek phrase. It could be translated literally, upon the same. What does that mean? Is that they were connected in such a way that they weren't compartmentalized. They weren't living individualistic lives, but rather they were aware of what was going on with others in the community, and they were connected. Having everything in common, we'll talk about that more in a minute, but that speaks to a spirit that we're all in this together. And here specifically, it's talking about their goods, their possessions, and we'll get there in just a moment. But again, it's just this spirit of, hey, we're, we're all in this together. And so they continued to meet together in the temple courts here in verse 46. And this word continued is the exact same word that's translated in verse 42 for devoted, right? So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, and they continued, devoted and continued are the exact same word, right? So this is another mark of their devotion. How, what they were doing is they were meeting together with one mind and one purpose in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes. So it's important to understand that they didn't just have a, a life where they shared um, meals but they had a life where they shared their spiritual lives as well. Again, it's not just about a surface connection where we went to a meeting, we went through the motions of a worship service, or we had a meal together, or something like that. But it's truly opening ourselves up and sharing how God is working and moving. 
sharing our strengths, sharing our talents, our gifts, but also sharing our weaknesses and our failures. Because some of the most powerful things that I've learned from people is when they've stood and said, hey, man, I messed this up, and God showed me about this, and God was merciful, and God was uh, gracious, and this is how he, how he remedied the situation that I messed up. And I'm like, God, thank you that you can deal with me too. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm so, so encouraged when people share the deep things of life. And so when you look at their community, they were sharing those deep things of life, and it was... Um, it brought tremendous joy to them. It says they ate together in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. Sincere is about simplicity, that you're not divided, that you don't have false motives, that you're not two-faced, but rather you're, you're kind of single-minded, right? You, you mean what you're saying, you mean what you're doing. And then this word glad just doesn't get the picture, right? If you, if you look up in, in, in a Greek dictionary, um, the word glad here is, um, the definition given is exultant. What's that? What's, who uses that word, right? Like, what is that, what is that, like, I don't use the word exultant in my everyday vocabulary. I don't have a picture of what that is. But I was watching football last night at like 11.30. The, the score at halftime, I didn't see the whole game. I, I caught the very last few minutes. But the score at halftime was 27 to 0. The Chargers were beating the Jaguars 27 to 0. We put a movie in and watched it with the kids, right? And then after the movie was over, William said, Hey, check out the football game. Check out the football game. Turn on the football game. There are five minutes left. The score is now 30 to 20. So the team was getting pummeled 27 to 0, and now they're within 10 points with five minutes left. They score a touchdown. They get a two-point conversion. Now they're within three points. They come back. At the end of the game, they kick a field goal. They win the game at the end, as the time is expiring, 31 to 30. They were down 27 to nothing, and they win 31 to 30. And they're showing pictures of people celebrating, and they show the coach, and he's like, yeah, and the announcer says, he's exultant. It's like, perfect, that's, the, that's what I've been looking for all week. What is the example of exultant, right? Like, that celebration of being, like, just completely down and out, and all of a sudden, you have the victory. Like, that's the picture here of jumping for joy. The church was excited when it got together. So we have close connection. Next we see that there's just overflowing generosity. It says that they had everything in common. We read that just a moment ago. And it says in verse 25 that they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So it's not just about feeling connected, but about acting on that connection. Like, they were willing to give of themselves and sacrifice. When they, they heard of a need, it wasn't just like, how much money do I have in the bank? I can give some. But it was like, what do I have laying around my house that, that's worth something that I could sell to help someone else? Like, that's a level of commitment that I don't think we often maybe feel or see, right? Like, like there's this attitude of, man, what is it that you need? We're going to 
make it happen. See, over and over again as we read Scripture, God cares about those who are in need. He cares about the oppressed. He cares about the hurting and the broken. So we read the Old Testament. The prophets are often correcting Israel. You didn't care about the needy and the poor. You didn't care about those who were downtrodden and oppressed. That's a, that's a problem. We see in, in the New Testament this repeated over and over again. As we read through the book of Acts, one of the things that Paul is doing as he's traveling to different churches is collecting funds. He's collecting resources to take back to Jerusalem because there's been a famine in that area and they're experiencing extreme difficulty and extreme poverty. And the churches gather around and they give sacrificially to help one another. Like that's the picture of this devoted community that we give sacrificially to help one another. God cares about those who are hurting and needy and poor. And just two other quick things as we look at this. This is a line that's in passing, but it, but it speaks to our attitudes. It says that they were praising God and then enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So the last two things that we're going to look at is um, this community was characterized by praise and by witness, right? And those two things go together because when, when I start thanking God for what He's done, not just internally, but publicly, when other people are around, when other people can hear, it bears witness to who God is and His grace and His mercy, right? So they, as they are gathering, they're all praising God. And this is not just about singing. You know, singing is part of that, but it's not just about singing. It's about um, what comes out of our mouths. Is it, is it complaining or is it praise? Is it grumbling or is it bringing honor to God? Is it um, just focusing on the negative or is it thanking uh, God for all that He's done that's, that's good in our lives, right? So it's rejoicing in God and thanking Him, not just internally, but, but publicly. And in turn, that, in doing that, we share with other people God's goodness. And so they enjoyed the favor of all people. Now, that, this didn't last forever, right? And in, in, in a couple of chapters, we see that people begin to persecute the church. But this was a season in their lives where, um, where they enjoyed favor for a little while before the persecution came. But, but the key here is as they praised God and, and bore witness to His work, it says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the power of God was on display. The love of God was on display as they took care of one another and were generous with one another. And that... that demonstrated who God was and other people were like, hey, I want to be a part of that. And so God added to their number. It's God's work as they bore witness to his faithfulness and his goodness, God brought more people to himself and added to that family. So I keep coming back to this verse, as I said, over and over again, because there are lots of things that we can do as a church, right? There are many, of act many activities there are fun things that we can do. There are hard work things that we can do. We've got lots of responsibilities in terms of taking care of our property and the things that God has blessed us with. Uh, we want to uh, outreach. Uh, we want to reach out to the community and, and serve the community and, and all these types of things. But, they, but we have to be focused 
on what we're supposed to be focused on. Because if, if we understand what it is that we're supposed to be devoted to, that will help us evaluate what opportunities to take as we seek God in prayer, as we follow his direction. We have his word guiding us as to what we're supposed to be busy with, right? And those things are this. What is at the heart of what we do? Well, it's the apostles' teaching. What, what is the Jesus way of life? How do we live life in Jesus, right? It's fellowship. It's close relationship with one another. It's partaking of life together, breaking bread, right? And doing the things of daily life together and prayer, pursuing God with one heart and with one mind that we would want him to be magnified in us, that we would want him to make himself known and that we would share his love and advance his kingdom, right? And in the midst of this, we see God's power on display. We see generosity. We see praise and witness that ultimately God's kingdom is advanced as the church comes together in unity and pursues God and praises God and shows God's love and generosity. These are the things that we want to zero in on and focus on. The activities that we do as a body of believers need to center around these essentials. Learning the Jesus way of life, fellowship, doing life together, and depending upon God, communicating with Him and connecting with Him in prayer. This is what God is calling the church to do. And there are many, many different forms of that for us. We do many, many different things that represent these four or five or six core essentials. But everything needs to be related to this. And that's where our focus needs to be. If we were to take that picture and put it in a frame, like the focus needs to be on those things. And then the other things, yeah, they are part of the beauty of life and beauty of the picture, but where, where are we going and what is our focus? And it's right here that we find it in Acts 2. What is the church supposed to look like as devoted community? Would you pray with me today? Father God, I want to thank you for this time that we have had together to study your word. I thank you for the, this, the chance to be here. to be with our brothers and sisters, to connect with you. God, I pray that as we come in here each and every week, God, that it would never be about going through the motions or checking off a box of a church service, Lord. That wouldn't just be like, oh, we did the worship and oh, we did the prayer and oh, we did the praise and the, the, the sermon and just we move on, Lord. But God, I pray that each one of these moments, they're, they're important, and I pray that each one of these moments would be time of genuine connection with you and genuine connection with each other. That your life might be fully realized in us and that you would put your power and love on display as we bear witness to your goodness in our community. God, I pray that you would have your way and do your work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.